0: But what we want to do now is really get into um, some of the crux uh, of God's prophetic word to us in terms of lifting up of our heads. And we started getting into this on, on Sunday. Um, and just a reminder, Psalm 24 says um, that we, gates, must lift up our heads. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in who is this king of glory is the lord strong mighty in battle and um, in the season we encouraged you that god is wanting a particular disposition from us and that is to lift up our head our mentality our perspective our sight our discernment our nose our hearing which is our ears our proclamation which is our speaking everything about the head uh, particularly our minds, our mindset, has got to be raised up. And I don't know about you, but since we started the series, um, attacks have intensified to push us to the opposite extreme. It, it seems like in, in the moment uh, this word was largely to my spirit uh, two months ago. I didn't feel the release to start sharing it then, only now. But it seems as though the word is being challenged in the moment of its release. And I want to encourage you, you might have 10,000 reasons to be discouraged. 10,000 reasons to hang your head down in despair. But the word of the Lord comes to you in this season. Yes. Lift up your heads, right? In this season, don't, um, don't let your conditions dictate your posture. Lift up your mentality above your environment, above the dictates of what you are experiencing. Now, that demands resilience. It demands both resolve and resilience. Resolve is decision. When you resolve a matter or you resolve to do something, you take a decision to do it. When you when you determine to be resilient in the resolve, you say to yourself, I've chosen a posture. Come hell or high water, I'll push through. I will be strong. I will be resilient um, in the thing that I've resolved. So I want to encourage you today, Two things, resolve to have a lifted up head position and remain resilient and consistent in it. Amen? Uh, we had an interesting discussion today at DOA about uh, Hebrews where it says the you, your son, has got the capacity to endure discipline. And the word endure in the Greek means to stay up under, right? But there's even, even discipline needs to be in endured. So I want to encourage you Um, Lift up your heads. You know the psalmist, David, wrote that psalm and it was literally a prophetic word to him and to Israel. Lift up your heads because there's coming a king that wants to enter in, in a military powerful position. And um, I know, I don't know your, your personal circumstances, definitively each one of you, but I know that generally there are attacks on personal levels that will ordinarily lead you to hang your head down in despair. But you have to have a strong mind, like I said on Sunday. The mind must be strong. I will. Remember the prodigal son? He said, I will arise, and I will go back to my father's house. Arise above the conditions of the pigsty. And he said, I will arise, and I will go back. In reference to praise, David said, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Hit it twice. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, oh my God. Right? And, and you have to um, come to decision with certain matters. God looks for courage in a man. You know? And um, I want to encourage you. You know, Joshua is, was told after Moses' death, be strong and be very courageous. Right? And you've got to have courage. You've got to have strength in the season. Uh, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I want to encourage you, um, strength in this particular apostolic season is your personal choice. You decide, I will be be strong, not in my own self. I'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of, of His might. Now the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the enemy can erode joy, he can erode the position of strength discouragement is designed to extract joy from a person so the joyless christian is a weak christian right the kingdom is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost once your we said peace is critical because once peace is established uh well, righteousness leads to peace and and conversely as well and when righteousness and peace are in place joy is the outcome right And so, maintain your righteousness, your rightness before God. Uh, Maintain your position of peace. Say to yourself, despite what I'm going through, I will excel in the peace of God in the midst of a storm, so that my joy is not eroded. Once joy is eroded, um, the kingdom cannot come, because the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You want kingdom power and kingdom expression, master kingdom character master kingdom lifestyle righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost and so to lift up the head we said then allegorically or prophetically symbolically suggests a number of things and on sunday we dealt with the first issue which was it suggests trying to find where i am in my notes yes um the ability and willingness to speak up against inaccuracy—you see something going wrong, and so you lift up your head and you address it. To see something that is contradictory to God's law, God's ways, God's principles, to keep quiet and silent on the matter is to give tacit approval of it and to empower it. But when you speak up against it, right? It symbolically uh, indicates that one's head is lifted up. It's a, it's a watchful position. So John spoke against the, the inaccurate um, wedding between Herod and Herodias, and for that his head was taken off. The removal of one's head speaks of an inability to address the matter and confront it anymore. The decapitated head is the ultimate expression of a lost head. Right? Don't lose your head in the season. <laughs> Don't lose your mind. In other words, don't be passive. Some people um, have experienced this in the classroom, present in body, but the mind is neutral. Nothing's happening upstairs. Right? The mind is not actively processing what you're doing. It's very dangerous to come to the place of passivity mentally, where you resign and you resolve yourself to a status quo that is not biblical or status quo, that it contradicts kingdom ways. And you say, um, I will be accepting and accommodating of it. And I, um, let me not speak up against it because I don't want to upset the apple cart or bring tension to relationships. Right? You have a kingdom obligation to set a matter right. To accommodate its inaccuracy is to give approval to it. You give almost Approval is tacit. Tacit means it's implied, even though you don't vocally say, I approve of what you're doing. But if you, if you see someone doing wrong, and you don't address it, tacitly you're saying, well done, I commend you, go on. right? Without addressing it. Right? So I want to encourage you, lift up your head, you see something wrong in a brother's life, um, in love, redeem the brother by pointing out his error. Right? um if a brother is overtaken in a fault the bible says in galatians 6 you are spiritual restore the such a one in a spirit of meekness lest you yourself also be tempted and fall okay and so um silence we said is a subtle form of surrender you've resigned and surrendered yourself to that condition and so i want to encourage you um uh, some of you might not be this way inclined but I really believe the Holy Spirit um, will cause you to act being prompted by Him. Even in areas that are out of your character, you can and address certain things. Um, for your greatest um, loyalty is to God and His principles. Your greatest loyalty must not be to the preservation of a relationship. So I, I mustn't address it for keeping the relationship then you are subconsciously saying, my greatest loyalty then is not to God in His ways, but to an inaccurate expression of behavior to which I've allowed and I accommodate, not willing to uh, address it. Okay. So I want to encourage you in the season, it might be in the workplace, it might be in your home, it might be with your spouse, it might be with your kids, it might be uh, on any level. If, if, if you, Because to accommodate it, is to fuel your own destruction, you know the thing or that trait or that characteristic has not brought us um, progress that that characteristic that behavior that mindset, that thinking that that mentality whatever it is has not brought positive benefit right up to this point. so then what is the use to continue to accommodate it, but to address it means redemption and that you're going to be placed in a path uh, where possibly things will things will turn he will um what does the proverb say again um he who shows his brother the error of his way will save a soul from hell one of the proverbs says that he who shows his brother the error of his way will save a soul from hell And so wounds, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you claim friendship with someone and you see your friend going down the wrong path, what is your responsibility? Alert my friend to the error of his way. And even if from your friend's perspective and vantage you are being hard, they might perceive that and there might be initial tension in the relationship, but your motivation is always redemptive. Your motivation is to to help. And so he would rather save his soul. I would rather there be a temporarily uh, a temporary tension in relationship because I've addressed, I've shown my brother the error of his way. When at the end of the day he's saved from hell, mm-hmm. right? Than to stand back and to see him drift into uh, carnality or, or her into carnality and may not address the way. So, tell your neighbour, lift up your head. Stressing principles where Galor says, Lift up your head. Lifting up the head in this context means the willingness and the capacity to address inaccuracy. Right? So lift up your head in that context. Then also uh, I didn't stress that point too much on Sunday because this is the way the Spirit led the meeting. We we stress also that it's to be filled with hope and confidence concerning God's deliverance in the day of trouble. We said Psalm 3. Remember David said, many are they that are round about him. Many are they that I have compassed him about. And even the view of the enemy about him, God can't even help him. There's no help for him in God. But he says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and you are the one who lifts my head. So in a hopeless, almost certain defeat situation, the view of the enemy is you are so... You are so done. You are so gone. God can't even help you out of this one. Right? You are so gone. In other words, the 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 view of your situation is hopeless from all vantage points. Right? But your 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 perspective, as you look up, you say, But thou, O Lord, are shield for me you my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. What is that? That is two things: hope and confidence in the day of trouble, right? So, whenever I say to you, lift up your head, I'm saying, be filled again with hope. Be filled again with with confidence that your God will, will bring you through, that God will sort issues out, will sort issues out for you. And uh, we looked specifically at a prophecy that I gave you from Hosea chapter 2 and verse uh, 15. And we said that, uh, let me read the scripture again for you. God says this concerning Israel. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of a door of hope. What does Achor mean again? Achor is trouble, pain, tribulation, sorrow. So what is God saying? A couple of things in this verse. Let me read the, the rest of the verse. She shall sing there as in the days of a youth. As in the days when I led her, uh, when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Right? So God is saying a couple of things. God is saying, you're in a wilderness. What I will do, I will change the wilderness to vineyards. Right? So from barrenness, there will come growth and productivity. Right? And your valley of Achor. Achor. Oh, did you know that Achan means very similar to Achor? And Achan was literally killed in the valley of Achor. Right? Remember when he was judged for hiding those forbidden things. Right? So listen carefully, everything about this valley speaks about pain, tribulation, and listen carefully in terms of Achan's experience, suffering the just penalty for disobedience. Right? Everything about this valley speaks about that you've suffered the just penalty for your waywardness. And I'm here to inform you, God is saying, Now that you've come through that valley, I'm going from that vantage point open up a door of hope for you. Right? You see, the the Achan principle was that God had to extract a hindering factor in the nation. There was a hindering factor in the nation that prevented Israel's progress. Remember they defeated um, what's the first city? Jericho. Right? And they were instructed not to take any of the devoted things. Achan took some of it and hid it in his tent. The next battle was the city of Ai, capital A, small i, the city of Ai. And the men say to Joshua, don't send the whole army, send a few of us, we can sort these guys out easily. But the men of Ai defeat Israel. Joshua comes before the Lord and he prays. He says, Lord, why? How were we able to take Jericho? And yet the men of Ai defeat us, which were a lesser enemy compared to Jericho. The Lord says, because Israel has sinned. And Achan has taken some of the devoted things of Jericho and he's put them in his own tent, under his tent. Right? One man sinned prevented the corporate progress of a whole nation. He was judged. He was found out, and he was judged. He and his family, all of his, all of his possessions, animals, etc., were stoned in this valley of Achor. So in one respect, Achor represents, yes, trouble, pain, tribulation, all of that. But in another respect, it also represents God's just dealings with a factor or problem by which he extracts it from the corporate community because of its power to prevent everybody from moving forward. Do you understand? So I feel, listen carefully, in the season of our corporate migration in this local house, now please hear me prophetically, that God is extracting hindering factors, hindering mentalities, hindering behaviors, a disestimation for things devoted, right? Everything that Achor, surrounding Achor suggests. And, a, and Achan who was judged in the valley of Achor. But God says prophetically to, you know, because you know, when, if God says this in the book of Hosea to Israel, um, I will turn your valley of Achor into a door of hope. They know the history of this valley. In their minds, they would have recollected everything that happened here. And so prophetically, what I'm seeing is that God's season for dealing in the valley of Achor, spiritually and symbolically, with this congregation, has ended. God is saying, now you can only move forward from this vantage point into a door filled with hope. Right? And hope is a mental expectation of a positive outcome in the future right? It's rooted in faith, because now faith is the substance hoped for. If you have faith, you also have hope. And hope, faith is always present. Faith is always now. Now faith is. But faith's presence indicate that hope is there to us as well. And I want to encourage you, um, because for many people, pessimism dictates that they view the future bleakly. They view the future um, and they see no positive outcome for their lives or for their children's lives. What you do, you paint a negative picture in your mind and be careful about this, parents. Sometimes it's passed on to the children. Right? It's always good to dream. Uh, Liam and I were talking about Dream and DreamWorks, the company on the way here, coming and I want to encourage you, never lose your dream. Never lose the fact of a positive outcome in the future, no matter how negatively things are going now in the, in the present. Right? But faith, hope is an outcome of faith. Now, do you remember what the, um, the armory is in ephesians 6 you have a breastplate of faith then it says for a helmet the hope of salvation right so what area does faith protect if it's a breastplate of faith to quench the fiery darts of the what what area faith protects the heart what area does a helmet protect the head the mind so what does hope protect the state of your mind, right? Because the hopeless person has got a negative mental state. They always see things negatively, you know. But I want to encourage you, keep if you if you want the reference down for the helmet of salvation, it's first Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. Let me quote it to you. But since we are of the day, we're not of the night, it says, Since we are of the day, let us be sober. Putting on the breastplate in this in this uh, now listen carefully. The shield of faith is in Ephesians 6. In 1 Thessalonians 5:8, uh the, the Paul calls it a breastplate of faith. Either way, it protects the the vital heart organ. And it says, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, comma, the hope of salvation. So the hope. It always protects our, our, our minds. Now, I want to quote it again. And I, I feel we must get into the, the reality of this prophetic word. God is saying, uh, next time you encounter a valley of echo, of pain, of trouble, of despair, tell yourself, God has released a prophetic word through my pastor to me. It, God is speaking, that's why we come to church to hear what God is, saying corporately, God is speaking to me, that God, you're going to turn this valley into an access point. But it demands of me that I fill my mentality with with hope. Right? Never ever allow negative thoughts to assail your mind. Right? Keep your mind strong, keep your mind um, courageous. Now, let me just <clears throat> further... Let's talk about this. It says, the valley of Achor will be turned into a door of hope and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up out of the land of of Egypt. Who was defeated when they came out of of Egypt, the Egyptians. What do the Egyptians represent? Enslavement for 430 years. An historical perpetual enemy, right? So God changed um, somebody's history in one night. Can't changed someone's history forever in a day. And so part of the prophetic word that I want to leave with you is that God is saying to us that He's literally going to change. is um, the, 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 going to not just um, cause release from bondage, but that that kind of bondage will not reoccur again. Because the Bible says the horse and the rider, if you don't want horses, horses depict strength and dignity the strength of egypt the horse and the rider were drowned in the midst of the sea moses said to them stand still before they crossed and see the salvation of the lord for the egyptians that you now see you will never ever again see in other words god will deal with that specific problem once and for all in your life such that you will never have to deal with it again in your subsequent generations Because you, your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather had enough of that. It's been enough of a dominating characteristic in your family. God is saying, I've had enough, right? I'm about to change everything with you. And that is why God is saying, this trouble, this valley of Achor, I will turn it into a door of hope for you, such that Israel is going to sing as in the days of her, of her youth. And youth, yeah, does not really dem- denote immaturity. It simply denotes the early incipient dealings of God with you. Remember like when you first got saved, the joy you had. You know, nothing was too much of a sacrifice, right? God is saying, I'm going to bring back that same kind of youthful joy back to your life. Okay, we'll need some youthful joy, Right? Some of us grow so old in the Lord, we're looking old. I'm telling you, the older you get, the more youthful in the Lord you must become. Amen? Amen? Be youthful. There's a lovely site on Facebook that um, I like. You must like it if you can. It's on the search facility, search Growing Bolder. It's not Growing Older. It's called Growing Bolder. But it's basically for middle-aged and old people, the site. Every single day, there are pictures, powerful statements, encouraging Middle-aged to very old people. And they, they give life stories and testimonies literally every day of what somebody in their 60s, somebody in their 70s, somebody in their 80s, somebody in their 90s doing as an initial step of a new goal that they're now starting at that age. Some of us are only in our 40s and 50s and we've resigned, or this is the end, right? I mean, why don't you do something different? Uh, A few days ago, I encouraged you to listen to a a clip of T.D. Jakes on TV. It was really encouraging. He spoke about being creative. Don't lose your creative edge. Amen? I want to encourage you to do something different. Take on another project. Uh, Learn a new language. You know, some of us, we learned Afrikaans because we were forced to. It was a past requirement. We got an education and we were forced to learn some things because we had to. How about you deciding to learn something because you want to? right? Learn Spanish. Not because anybody's forcing you, saying, this is one of my other ambitions and goals I have in my life. I would like to master another language. It doesn't have to be Spanish. French, if you like French. right? All I'm saying is bring some zest back. And sometimes creative, you want to say creative, Let your creative juices flow. Sometimes a creative goal is a very, very good motivating factor. Learn a new hobby. How about something I need to do? I want to improve my chess game. So I need to buy a very good chess piece and set it up permanently in my lounge so that I can engage the game more often. It it helps me with my mental thought and strategy, etc. Right? Read a book, one new book every two months. You'll read six books a year for the rest of your life. Don't imagine how more knowledgeable that's going to make you on a matter. Right? Take up a new sport. Right? How about learning golf? (laughs) At least just buy the hat, buy a golf hat. Just look the part for a week. Just buy some golf shirts. Don't even have to go near the golf field. Right? How about starting to run? At least buy the outfit. Buy some running shoes, some running gear. Just have it there. All I'm saying is start something. Right? Don't resign yourself that this is the be-all and the end-all of my, of, my, of my life. I want my six-pack back. I want it back in the name of the Lord, and I'm working on it. Right? Tell your neighbor. Have a goal. Right? Maybe some of you just need to change one or two aspects of your diet to to accomplish something. The point is, set a target, aim for it, and reach it. Right? Challenge for you it will be just jumping. Maybe just ten centimeters more will help. That's all. And then you increase it right have a goal all i'm saying is don't become boring jake said in his sermon don't he says the word the most painful thing in life is to put an exciting person and lock them up in a boring life right He says the most painful thing in the whole world okay so i want to encourage you break out everyone say break out you see this thing about being locked up in an Egyptian slavery, and God leading a God says, I need you to start singing again like the kind of happiness you enjoyed when I f- you first came into the kingdom. Right? Have this joy. I wake up in the morning and say, I've got a target to achieve. Uh, it'll drive you to certain things. Right? It'll drive you to, to certain things. In Genesis, if you go there, Genesis 41 and verse fifty. To fifty-two, Genesis 41, 50 to 52. It says, Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Um, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore them both. This is his wife. Joseph called the name of the first one Manasseh, for he said... God has made me to forget all my hardship in my father's house. The name of the second son he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Right? So two sons are born to to Joseph. Um, And this was before the year that the famine came. By this time, the dreams are interpreted. He's got this position of prominence placed into power as minister of economic affairs, as it were. And the Bible says, before the years of famine came, he bears these two sons. And he calls the first one Manasseh, and the second one Ephraim. And you know Manasseh means, for God has made me or caused me to forget my hardship and my father's, house, two things, forget my hardship and my father's house. The second boy he names, Ephraim, which we know strictly translated means doubly fruitful and but in the text it reads, for God has made me fruitful, where? In the land of my affliction. So my affliction was the venue of my fruitfulness. Right? Ephraim doesn't just mean doubly fruitful, yes it does, but the context in which it, it comes to the fore, was one in which um, Joseph was severely afflicted. You know the story by his brothers, etc. So two, boy, two boys were, were born. Um, one, whenever you say Manasseh, if he's calling Manasseh, Manasseh, come here. He's literally reminding himself, God has made me to forget all of my trouble. Eh? Who would like that? Like to wipe out the memory of the trouble away from your your mind right i think we all want that right god has made me to forget my trouble and my father's house now i like the meaning of manasseh except for the second part god has made me to forget my trouble and he has made me to forget my father's house Ephraim is doubly fruitful and the way in which listen carefully God causes Joseph to forget is by giving him success in the land of his affliction. Right? Being fruitful and being successful will make anybody forget the difficulty they have borne up to that point. Not so. Right? It will make you forget the hardship. Right? Uh, when a new baby is born, the mother instantly forgets all the pain associated with the, with the birth. Right? But while going through the pain, you can kill the husband. Right? Uh, I still, when Matthew was born, Renee's claws in my forearm, literally I bled. It was like marks here. Huh? And the pain. Uh, but then all is forgotten when the babies. So God gives success. God gives success. God blesses. God gives fruitfulness. And that very thing is designed to cause you to forget your hardship and pain. But unfortunately, Manasseh also means, I will forget my father's house. Now Joseph, is firstborn, and he can't forget his father's house. Because in his father's house, in Jacob's house, prayed patriotic promises that were given to his forefather Isaac and his forefather Abraham. So the test for Joseph is to reconcile with his brothers. And remember his first order of business once reconciled is, is my father alive, right? And he reconnects with his father's house, and so I want to encourage you. God in your affliction will bless you. God in your afflictions is going to turn things around. He really will. In this season, don't forget your father's house. Don't forget in your time of great success. Don't forget the imperative of establishing and maintaining. Godly relationships. Don't let your success call you, cause you to forget your father's house. For Joseph, that was the initial intent. But having had the success, in Genesis seventeen, or rather later on, he says to his 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 his, his brothers, Go "Call my father that he might see all my glory which I have attained in in Egypt." Right. Call him so he can see all my glory. In other words, I need to reconnect. I need to connect all of the success. I am I'm second to the to, to the, the main person in charge. I'm second in charge of this whole land. In his mind, he's thinking, what does all this mean if I can't take all of this power, all of this influence, all of the sway, all of this, this, this uh, authority I have? And not connected to Jacob, so bring Jacob here. And you know the story: when Jacob comes, Jacob prophesies over him. Jacob prophesies over Manasseh, over Ephraim, and then all of the other boys, right? And so I want to encourage you: don't forget. Tell you never: know, don't forget. People, very you've got shorter memory. Don't forget when God does bless. When God. Does turn the valley experience and change the tribulation? It really does turn a valley of Acor into a door of hope, right? To cause you to forget the trouble, and most of your trouble is associated with your father's house. It's amazing how brothers are designed to sharpen each other. What does the Bible say? A brother is born for what? For adversity right and this sharpening that takes place so never ever simply focus on the success that you've gotten without addressing the issue of reconciled relationships with all of your brothers but especially with your with your father otherwise listen carefully the door of hope that God leads you into and blesses you with will be short lived or you will experience blessing that you cannot use to connect to strategic aspects of the unfolding nature of God's will, right? Or it will just be a blessing. But what is the purpose then of having a blessed life? It, if it's not for but, to use all of, like Joseph, all of your influence for God's ultimate will and, and, and purpose, okay? And so I want to encourage you, your door of hope will turn. Everyone say, have hope. Have hope. Amen. Have hope. Just one last, we'll do one more because of time. Two things. I'll just mention this one and then go on to the next one that I really want to focus on. Lifting up your head is also a sign declaring one's innocence. It's a sign declaring one's innocence or divine justification. right? So God will divinely justify you or exonerate you, clearing your name, that you are innocent and not guilty in a process or in a matter. right? And I sort of leave that for some of you here as a prophetic witness. Remember this word is a prophetic word. So I'm saying things as a prophetic witness to you. When I mentioned this in, in Cape Town, and I prophesied over Reggie, who was one of the elders there, I just mentioned this point. And little did I know, and I was talking and I just... You're sitting on the side. Of the, I just said, Reg, this is for you. Um, and, and I said um, that wanting to falsely accuse you in your workplace, etc., etc. I can't remember the details of the prophecy, but little did I know that the next day he was up for a tribunal hearing. Um, he's got a strategic position in city management in the, in the city of Cape Town, right? And there was this attack against him personally. I just heard last week uh, through Matthew that he was exonerated, cleared of all charges. So I didn't know this. So while I was prophesying, I saw him break down and etc. etc. I said, be full with hope. God will clear your name, da, 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 da. And this happened last week. And I'm saying you might not be presently be going through something where people are attacking you. But I want to take this, lodge, and install this as a prophetic word within you. That no weapon formed against you will will prosper. Uh, Your enemies round about you in the workplace or in other contexts can contrive um, processes for your destruction. But the Lord is telling you, lift up your head. And the reference here is Job 10 verse 15. says the following, If I am wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. I am sated with disgrace and conscious of my misery. Now Job is using this in the negative. I'm using it, I want to use it in the positive. He is saying, if I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. What he is saying is, I can lift up my head if I am righteous. So the lifting up of the head is a declaration of one's righteousness. A declaration of one's innocence and the fact that you are indeed justified by the by the lord and i want to encourage you have you ever been in a room where you know people are judging you have you ever walked into a context where you know uh, you know the bible says and jesus knew thoughts in their hearts right i want to encourage you particularly when you feel the weight of that kind of warfare hold your head up high if you have nothing to be ashamed of nothing to be embarrassed about maintain your dignity you are son of god You don't seek to justify yourself. Uh, Remember, Jesus was led to the slaughter. The Bible says, He opened not his mouth. As a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And I want to encourage you, don't seek to justify yourself at any level. God will sovereignly clear your name and lift up your head. Amen. lift up your head. One last one. Lifting up of the, the head is the most violent form of self-assertion. When you assert yourself, scripturally, biblically, one lifted up the head to assert, right? To assert themselves. It also alludes to an intention to war, or to make war, right? So nations, you'll read some verses of scripture that indicate and one nation lifted up its head, right? It's an intention to fight, So, you flex your muscles, you're lifting up your head, it's an assertion, self-assertion. But specifically, I want to focus on asserting yourself strongly by the non, or to the non-acceptance of any kind of oppression. So, there's outward attack against you. So, when you lift up your head, what you do is you say, um, now this might not this is not contradictory to what I've just said being a sheep before a shearer is dumb don't seek to justify yourself this is something completely different yeah you got to almost stand your ground and and refuse oppression now you must know when to resist and when not to resist you must know when that the, for example the bible says Uh, resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, he's not going to flee if you don't resist. There are times you simply ignore the devil and you don't give him undue uh, focus. You simply continue by doing the will of the Lord. And yet there are other times when you perceive, hey, this is not some ordinary attack. This is a deliberate onslaught by the domain of darkness that demands my my addressing of it in strong governmental warfare i rise up to address the issue so i resist the the devil james says and he will flee from me and i want to encourage you all if you see a pattern of repetitive onslaught against you your family in prayer in prayer actively resist it right lift up your head and do not let your head um, to be hung. Just for reference' sake, um, Psalm 88 and verse, sorry, Psalm 83 and verse two says, "For lo, thine enemies make tumult, and they that hate you have lifted up their head." This verse is using it in the negative. Those that hate are making war, and they're lifting up the, of their head. The principle we want to extract is: the one who lifts up his head intends to war. Right? And a deliberate intention to war. And I, I'm just cajoling and activating some of you. For some of you, you're too passive in your prayer. You need to assert a strong position. Right? Um, and, and make some governmental assertive decrees about your destiny, your family's future, you where you're going to in God, it's particularly when you perceive there's this deliberate and you can sense it in the spirit, this deliberate Um, bold and willing attack that the enemy is is leveling against us consistently. Judges chapter 8 verse 28 says, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more. This is also in a negative. Israel subdues Midian and says, Midian cannot lift up their heads. So the inability to lift up the head means somebody has got you suppressed. Right, You're subdued, you're under, and you have the inability to lift up the, the head. right? And I am saying, you've been down too long. <laughs> you've been subdued too long. Been down long enough. Yeah. Now is the time to lift up your head and say, enough is enough. I am sick and tired of this characteristic in my life, in my husband's life, in my wife's life, in my children's life, in my family's life, in the church at my workplace, on my sports field, right? I will assert my position. Uh, remember, in Genesis 14, uh, for 12 years, Chedorlaomer and his allies imposed they they imposed taxes upon the whole territory in Canaan. Remember, except Jerusalem and Hebron, right? And in the 13th year, it says they rebelled. What were they saying? Enough is enough. We are tired. Of this foreign principality nation extracting funds from us the bible says they rebelled against now it took 12 young years for them to decide enough is enough and i'm saying how long will it will it continue may i encourage you to develop a strong prayer life i don't know about you but have you been feeling the urge to pray more privately i have been there's a closet that's been drawing closet prayer, private prayer with God. And in those times, you talk to your father. And your father knows what you have need of. You are his. You are his. His son in the Lord. And you're not doing this out of a beggarly orphan mindset. You're doing this knowing fully what he has reserved as your inheritance in God. And when you see the enemy come up against it, you assert your power in God. Amen? So don't be passive against these things. I have positioned watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, quoting Isaiah 62. Right? And they will not rest. They will not sleep, it says. They will not cease, but day and night they will put me in remembrance until I make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Right? God is bringing back importunate prayer. Prayer that prevails. Right? Joseph Matera just released his new book, He's speaking at thomas church uh, in santa at the conference next year in february his latest book is prayer that prevails and some of us have got so lazy we don't know how it is is even to pray for 10 minutes and to to have that posture i'm engaging a higher authority on this matter i'm engaging god on this matter jesus said to his disciples what 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 could you not watch with me for For one hour? Okay. Some of us can spend three hours in front of a TV set, but we can't engage the spirit realm even for half an hour about eternal matters that have, have eternal weight and destiny. May I encourage you, don't be passive. Develop propensity in the right areas. I love weight training. I love going to the gym. And I've had a little bit of an absence now because of Um, ministry-related activities that just demanded lots of time. So I didn't find the time to go. So I went back just this week. And you know how painful it is? (laughs) Right? Now my back is really, every twist and turn I make, it's it's saying, I know (laughs) it's talking to me. (laughs) Right? Right? Um, But I've seen that when I'm consistent with regularity, strength grows right? Um, fitness increase. On a cardiovascular level, even on a strength level, you feel better. First the natural, then the spiritual. What is true in the natural is far more truer in the spiritual. Right? Um, um, if I'm diligent with my workouts, I will reap certain results. Don't tell me if you devote time to spiritual activity like prayer but you do it consistently and daily you cannot tell me you're not going to reap certain benefits you can't tell me after doing that for one year i'm, I'm not stressing works please i'm not saying do your bits and try and coerce god together I'm not, we're not a works cultured people but I, i'm just sensing in the body of christ generally there's almost like a lull with these things Things in which we were strong at in one season, we've now become, become lazy in. Right? And it's, it's, it maybe it's, it's a sad reality of how the church has become so revelationally that it's made us lazy. Right? There are certain things you still have to be strong in. You still have to fast. You still have to pray. You still have to have your quiet time with the Lord. You have to engage in these things. Right? What does Paul say after, at the end of the day? He said, bodily exercise profits what? Little, but. There's a but in that verse. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the benefit of both uh, advantages in this life and in the life to come. So where is, you know, uh, because I go to the gym often, I look at people and how devoted some, some guys are. Some guys are the second home there. They live there only visit the other home, the real home. Right? You know, and I'm looking at, uh, the thought crossed my mind in the week. I was looking at this one guy and pumping away. And he, I could see, I know him, because I see him often, regular, focused, training. You can see his diet's all in place. And I'm saying, bro, what if next week you die? This, all this muscle on you is going to turn to dust. And from dust you came and to dust you will to dust you will return. Now I'm not saying what he's doing is wrong. right? Because I do it. I'm also in the gym there with him. I'm also training. All I'm saying is um, that if, if that is an idol, if that is an idolatrous position in one's life, if you're not giving attention to the eternal things that really matter, then your life is unbalanced. Amen? So may I encourage you, find time to assert yourself. Do not accept oppression at at any level. Do not accept it at, at any level. Lift up your head. Do not be subdued. And do and not just say, I'm accepting of this my lot in life. Right? Where the enemy comes against you. The Bible says he will flee from you. He comes in one way, but he will flee from you several ways. Flee from you several ways. And... Uh, the song I want to sing on Sunday from Morris Chapel, which I sent to the church, it's called I Will Restore. And um, the first verse goes, what was lost in battle, what was taken unlawful, when the enemy planted his seed, where your health is failing and your strength is failing, I will restore to you all of this and more. And the chorus goes, I will restore, I will restore, I will restore all of this and more. And I really believe for our church, God is in a restorative disposition. He's saying, I want to give you back what was lost. I want to give you back. That is the prophetic word to us. But we must cooperate with that, with, with that intention of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, posture yourself for great restoration. I will speak to the kinds of restoration that God has in store for us on Sunday. All from, just from lift up your heads. I was blessed by the thought that, uh, I think Sean or somebody said, uh, shared on the group, Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes, where? To the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be move he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps so I want to encourage you the Lord is your keeper the Lord is your shade on your 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 right hand a thousand will fall beside you 10,000 at your right hand but it will not come nigh you for you have made the Lord who is your habitation I want to encourage you remain steadfast in this season have a lifted up eye, lifted up head position. No matter how hard it is, wake up in the morning, engage your God in prayer. In the night, whenever whenever your prayer time is, morning, evening, and at at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He will hear my voice. Some of you might be in zigzag, like David was. Everything is burnt and all the wives are taken. The power of womb, the wives represents the womb, the capacity to receive seed and perpetuate sons for the next generation. Your, 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 your productive and procreative potential seems in your mind has been snatched from you. But in that valley of affliction, God opens up a door of hope. So what did he do? He says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Particularly because it says, his own men spake of stoning him. His own army wanted to kill him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This is a season where you have to do things for yourself. I tell you neighbor, this season's about me. <laughs> not, not, not in a, a, a selfish... Man, I, I think you know what I'm saying. I'm saying do things for yourself. Start that new project. Start that new thing. Rise up from your situation. Uh, uh, go against the grain. Don't be resigning and accepting of your lot in life, right? Um, do something different. Reach out for something further. Do something better. Amen. Let's pray. Can we stand? Lord wants us to lift our heads. Amen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory will come in. Father, we thank you for new doors of hope, new doors of opportunity. I thank you that from the Valley of Acre you have dealt uh, with your judgment upon disobedience, even among us. We sense that prophetically. Now, Father, I ask. I ask as a witness, as I declare it in the realm of the Spirit. Open up a door of hope for many in this congregation. Open up a door of hope for us corporately, I pray. Let there come an avenue, an access point, and we will see it and we will be filled with hope again. And we will sing and we will dance like Israel did when they were led from Egypt as the days of a youth. And, oh God, you will turn our wilderness into a vineyard. Thank you for these things, Father. I ask in Jesus' name, may we be non-accepting of the oppression of the enemy. The subjugation in some respects that we have felt, oh God, for, for periods of time will come to an end in this season. We declare that prophetically of our houses, of our lives, our families and our marriages, of the lives of our children, Father. We declare an end to the reign of oppression, to the reign of encasement, of limitation and of imprisonment. We declare new things. Help us to lift up our eyes to the hills from whence our help comes. You are our help in the time of trouble, O God. And father I just thank you Lord. I pray blessing for every household, even those not present tonight father. Every house represented within this within this household of faith father. I ask for great breakthroughs that you will bring as a tangible sign of your confirmation of this word. Thank you for promotions in jobs. Thank you for uh, new developments in business father. I thank you for new creativity, new ideas. Bring about a, 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 an excitement about each day. Let each day be filled with something to do, something to reach out for. Take away the boredom, take away the staleness, the sameness of our, of our, of our routine lifestyles and bring back adventure, bring back a sense of quest, uh, a sense of exploration once again. I fill us with hope, Father, for all that you have destined us. Fill these hands come on lift up your hands father fill these hands with something to do fill these hands with creative ideas fill these hands with skill father let us be like david who swung uh, that sling and took down Goliath. the skill of a man from the tribe of judah uh, a man whose yad whose hand was skill for war and who took his effectiveness to the next level after having killed lions and bears out of a sincere desire to defend sheep father you crowned him with good success and you elevated the level of his success from bear lion to a a, to a goliath figure that assailed the nation we speak prophetically even to these hands that are lifted that you will do uh, more mightier things you will do greater things for the lord we we pray and prophesy a new skill a new acumen a new effectiveness to everybody's life i pray for all of our young people father that are studying at tertiary institutions and at high school even now father fill their minds with hope regarding the future i thank you the plans you have for them and for us are good plans plans to prosper us not plans to harm us plans to give us a a future a hope and a future we have a hope in you Father. We're not hopeless people. We are hopeful people in God, filled with faith and hope regarding the awesome plans that our Father has in store for us, Lord. So we ask in Jesus' name, do these things mightily in your name. We speak these things authoritatively. We rise up in our spirits. Father, there's a militancy within us. There's a resoluteness in my heart and in my spirit. I will not shrink until I secure And hold in my hand all the promises, all the prophetic words that you've released, Father. We will not resign ourselves in defeat. We are not those, your word says, that draw back unto perdition. For your soul does have no delight in the man that puts his hand to the plow and gives up. Father, we will pursue. We will finish. And we will finish strong in your name, Father. We refuse to relent. We refuse to be passive. Father, we refuse to be accepting of things and a quality of lifestyle that is none of your making. We ask, O God, forgive us in those areas where we have sinned. Forgive us in those areas where we have become the cause and the reason for many things that assail our lives presently. I sense, O God, you have called us to this valley of acor, but that you have sovereignly dealt with, Uh, meted out your kind and gracious dealings with us and now father we prophesy a door of hope i pray hope 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 fill us with hope fill us with a mental attitude of expectancy regarding our future in you we refuse to be pessimistic we refuse to be negative we will depict mentally all that you are Fill our minds with hope. We put on the helmet of salvation as our hope. We put it on, Father, the shield of faith, the breastplate of faith and love. The shield of faith as well, Father. We will erect it against all the fiery darts of the evil one. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen.